0: Welcome to the Vail Christian Church podcast. It's Resurrection Sunday and Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, The Risen Christ. Turn to Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve.
1: That there is this sweeping crave um, across the planet to um, to um, worship and appreciate greatness and beauty and power and and things like that. Have you noticed that? Why is there such a thing as American Idol? And that 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 that's crazy thing why why is there such a thing like that why is there such a thing as like where in in our culture where Iron Man Iron Man becomes almost more popular than Superman you know why because we you know what we love about Iron Man I mean you know it's an iron suit with Tony Stark in it right but you know what we love about Iron Man is that he's brilliant he's super smart I mean, he's rich, which makes him really powerful and influential, right? And then you add all that technology in there that makes him just... But, you know, deep down inside, you know, Tony Stark is kind of a... He's kind of a player, but he's actually compassionate and kind. I mean, he's had a life transformation, you know, this whole thing. And, and, you know, he takes Spider-Man, the kid, under his wing and, you know, mentors him and he makes him better. He makes them better. He gives them the technology. and he can't. I mean, Iron Man is, is you know, he like almost replaced Superman, right? Why do we love that kind of stuff? Oh, we long for that. We have this built-in sweeping crave for things like that. You don't believe me? Watch this video clip. Watch this video clip. <laughs>
0: in the middle of Tiger Mania in the early 2000s, and it was just another fairy tale of his at the time. Take good odds on that. You'd be safe uh, if you put put it not to go in. So Saturday in there, and how many people there were sitting around that stadium hall?
1: Adding being a double breaker, and then the amount of break, percentages
0: kind of keep going down and down. Maybe a one in a hundred putt, especially in that moment. When Tiger gets really engaged in something difficult, he usually does extra good. It's Tiger he's going to make that putt. When nobody expects him to, that means everyone should expect him to. (laughs) The thing about that putt is that the way he reads greens, that's Better than most. He would have known where he had to get the ball to then feed it down to the hole. And then gravity takes over. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! We'll back to 14.
1: There are thousands of people watching. That's the most iconic golfing putt. In history, right there, because of this big S curve kind of thing. All you got to do is Google better than most. That's what comes up, right? And, 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 and in that clip, Tiger is at his zenith of just being, uh, you know, the best. I mean, he, can, he, he dominated the sport so much. He, if he was anywhere near, um, about to win, it just, everybody trembled at it. it it's, it's unbelievable. He literally has become the most popular athlete on the planet. Nobody more popular. It's unbelievable how we crave. Why? Because he's powerful, because he could drive the ball just really, really far. Because he's, he's singular, focused in, maybe you don't know this, but he has an unbelievable amount of charity um, he gives a tremendous amount of money to charity and he has a huge foundation to help underprivileged uh, kids and different things. It's, it's, it's crazy how, actually, how generous he is. I know he's got some character flaws. Most do, right? Most do. But we, I, I believe, I believe that we have a, an, an appetite for this kind of thing. And I think it's built into us. Why are scenic cruises. Pre-pandemic by the way. I don't know. They're kind of coming back a little bit. Why are scenic cruises. Scenic tours. A multi-million dollar business. Why? Right. I believe. I, 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 just like I said. I believe that humans have an appetite. For admiring greatness. It's built. It's designed by God. Right into us. Greatness and beauty right? You don't believe me? You know what the most popular pickup truck on the planet is? The Ford Raptor. Oh, have you seen a Ford Raptor? It's a thing of beauty. GM tried to answer with that thing they call it the trail boss. It doesn't even, it's it's not even a sneeze close. It's an unbelievable thing of beauty. I mean, think of all the things out there that we admire, that are full of greatness, kindness, beauty, right? It's built into us. But the great tragedy, I think, of the human race is that we're made to find great beauty and satisfying joy by admiring God, actually. That's what it was designed for and how it was designed by God, right? We've become so blind and so foolish, we spend energy and time and countless dollars, money, seeking out things in the world to satisfy our insatiable craving to admire greatness and beauty. We want it. I I do. I I admire greatness and beauty. I do. It's everywhere in creation. It's built into us intentionally by God. I don't know... um, Why everybody's here, I suspect a lot of things, but today, if your life is feeling flat, you know, like soda without the fizz in it, sometimes I feel like that, that's a great way to describe my life once in a while, your life is flat, maybe it's empty, it doesn't have a lot of exhilaration in it, without significance, fulfilling alignment, balance, I think it's because you don't see the risen Christ for who he really is. I think it's easy to miss him and I think it's um, easy to pass by or pass over. Some just barely see Jesus at all if they see him. Others have such a sad, small and sentimental picture of him on the wall of their mind that they're starving for the real thing. Our culture screams it's starving for the real thing. That's why that iconic putt Better than most is at the top of the Google search <laughs> for things like that. I mean, they're, they're all out there. You can, you can just, uh, you know, uh, best highlight baseball clip of all time. And, it, you know, Randy Johnson will come up where, he, you know, he's, he's throwing the pitch and it hits the pigeon before it goes to home plate. It's like iconic. Why do we love Randy Johnson? He was like one of the greatest pitchers, baseball pitchers of all time. Michael Jordan, Right come fly with me, and you see him jump from the top of the basketball key and slam down. I mean, it's just beauty, poetry in motion, right? We crave that kind of stuff. So what I want to do today is take you into this window of God's word and point you to Christ. I think that it's there because if we could keep in view the risen Christ as he really is, our endless appetite for beauty our endless appetite for greatness, I think it would find satisfaction and our lives would be unending worship and effortless obedience. The last chapter of Matthew is a window that opens up for us the glory of the risen Christ. It's Matthew chapter 28. So that's where we are today. We've been journeying through the gospel of Matthew for the better part of a year, right? I, I haven't run out of classic rock Songs for the bumper video. We felt like Led Zeppelin was appropriate today to end chapter 28. Check this out. Ten verses. Let's read. Let's look into this window just for a minute and see what, how Matthew kind of puts this together. It says, now after the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And suddenly there was a severe earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. Now that is a scene. First the earthquake, I mean, that rattles everybody, and then moving this big rock, and then he just sits on it.
0: (laughs) Verse
1: 3, his appearance was like lightning. That was, I'm sure, stunning as well. And his clothes were white as snow. The guards were shaken and became like dead men because they were so afraid of him. (laughs) But the angel said to the the women, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here for he's been raised just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's been raised from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. You'll see him there. Listen, I've told you, right? So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran. Look at all those things. They were the fear and great joy that can happen together. And they're running to tell his disciples. We gotta go tell these guys, you know, those betrayers, right? The people that deserted him, that's what they gotta go run tell. So verse nine, but Jesus met them saying, Greetings. Now that was a shock too. Greetings, hey, morning. That's kind of what he does right there, right? They came to him and held on to his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They'll see me there. Now, I want you to skip down to verse 16. So the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came up and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember... I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is an unbelievable scene. Because when you peer through this window that that, that Matthew builds, so to speak, three epic scenes of Jesus emerge. Number one, it's um, a, a scene of his power. Right? We've already. I mean, you can just you can find that one pretty easy. There's a an epic scene of his kindness. And his purposefulness. So there's these three scenes of it, and then we're going to unpack these things. And we all know in our hearts that if the risen Christ is going to satisfy our desire to admire greatness, and that's the way it has to be. It's got to be full of. He's got to be full of power, kindness, and purposefulness. Or we're just not um, uh, enamored. All right, people who are too weak to accomplish their purpose can't satisfy our desire to admire greatness. We admire people even less who have no purpose in life. We don't admire those people at all. And even more, we, 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 we don't admire people whose purpose is selfish and unkind. What we want to see and what we want to know is a, purpose, is, is a person whose power is unlimited, whose kindness is just generous, whose purpose is focused and unflinching. That's, that's who we want to admire. Authors, poets, right? Movie makers, TV writers, now and then they create or they highlight a person like this, right? Well, the best movies are about people like this, but they can't really get us there. We need to have the real thing. We need to see the original of all power all, and, and, and kindness and purposefulness. We got to see and worship the risen Christ. So let's look through the window, okay? I want you to look through with me. Get your Bible out and, let, and follow along. I want to show you why I think Matthew wants to help us do this. Because Jesus makes two appearances after his resurrection in Matthew. First, he appears in verse 9 to the, to the women. It says, Jesus met them saying, greetings, rejoice, hello, morning. <laughs> and they came to him, held on to his feet and worshipped him. And then the second appearance was to the 11 disciples In Galilee, right? He always wants to go back to Galilee. Verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Some doubt it. So it seems clear to me, if you just pay attention, what Matthew wants to say is that the proper response to the risen Jesus, to the risen Christ, is worship because that's what they both groups do. As Soon as they see him, the first thing they do, they worship him. They worship him. That's what God's designed us to do. That's what God wants. That's what these people do when they meet Jesus. Matthew has opened this window into this unbelievable scene of the risen Christ, and he wants it to be a window that you look through and and observe and understand worship and worshiping Christ. Don't miss how astonishing this actually is. Remember how Satan, you know, when you go back to um, Matthew chapter 4, how Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness three years earlier. Do you remember that scene at all? Matthew 4, 9, it, it says, I'll give you, or Satan, he, he says, I'll give you all these things if you throw yourself down to the ground and worship me. And Jesus <laughs> says to him, get out of here. You got to be kidding. He says, go away. It's written, you're to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see what this implies right here, that Jesus receives the worship of his people in Matthew 28. The resurrection of Christ certifies once and for all that Jesus is the son of God. I mean, Jesus says it himself straight up to Satan, get away because you're supposed to worship God and him alone. And he's saying, God. I'm God, right? You're to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so when he rises from the dead, men, women, everybody bow at his feet and worship him, and he receives it without rebuke. He doesn't say, hey, no, no, no. That's reserved for God the Father. He doesn't say that. Resurrection Sunday is a great day for reaffirming our conviction that Jesus Christ is not just a man. He's not an angel. He's not just a creature. He has no beginning or end, and he is God, and through him and for him, all things exist for Jesus. Worship the risen Christ, because God only should be worshiped, because Christ is God, one in, in essence with the Father and the Spirit. That's why Matthew brings his book. He brings the whole thing to a close in just that last part in verse 19, by saying that the disciples should be baptized, what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three persons are one God, and when we worship the one, we worship them all. So Matthew intends for this chapter to just give us this view, right? Into the beauty and the greatness and the power of the risen Christ, and he wants, us, he wants us to be like a, um, a window into worship. Now, what do we see that should fill us with this real admiration then? This desire, all right? We're going to start with the power of the risen Christ. That's the first thing we see. Look at verse 18. It says, then Jesus came up and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I wish that there's a way with words, to help us feel that the risen Christ has more authority than any president. You know, we feel like the president has all this authority. More authority than all the powers of Russia, than all the powers of China, right? I wish there was a way that if you gathered all the authority of all the governments across the planet and all the armies of the world, right, and you put them all together on this scale with the authority of the risen Christ on one side and all this other authority on the other, that would just fling up in the air. And Jesus would outweigh that by infinity. All authority, all authority, he says, on earth has been given to the risen Christ. All of it. The risen Christ has the right. In other words, what's that mean? The risen Christ has the right to tell every man woman and child on this planet today what they should do and what they should think and what they should feel. That's what all the authority means. He has absolute and complete total authority over your life, over cities, states, nations. The risen Christ is great, greater than you have ever imagined. He's got all the authority. This is the resurrection declaration to the world. It's this picture to the world. The risen Christ is your king and has absolute unlimited authority over your life. And if you do not bow and worship him and trust him and obey him, you rebel against Christ the king who is God over all. You realize that, right? We leave that part out sometimes. Hmm. Resurrection Sunday is God's open declaration that he wants every person Every people group, every nation, he wants them all. That's what kings do. They want it all. They don't just want some of it, they want it all. The resurrection has to do with power and authority. The resurrection of Christ is the claim of the risen Christ on every life that breathes. All authority on earth is mine, he says. Your sex life is his to rule, your business is his to rule. Your career, your job is his to rule. Your home is his to rule. Your children are his. <laughs> your vacation, that's his. Your body is his. He is God. He's God. So if you resist his claim, you resist his authority. If you feel no admiration for his infinite power and authority, and you turn and seek satisfaction from the things in life that will allow you to be your own master, then you're going to face judgment and death in the last day. And it appeals. Here's the thing. It will appear so reasonable and so right to your maker and your redeemer that there will be no appeal and no objections. You know that? no appeal and no objections any life of indifference to the risen christ and a, and a half-hearted attention now and then you know to to just a few of his commands will appear that day as an incredibly blame, as incredibly blameworthy and foolish Because he's got all the authority. The risen Christ is the authority, not only on earth, but also heaven. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says. I think Matthew wants us to see a glimpse of this in verses 2, 3, and 4. Look at verses 2, 3, and 4. It says, suddenly there was a severe earthquake. I mean, that shakes everybody up. For the angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled away the stone. And then he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were like white as snow. The guards were shaken. They became like dead men. Because they're so afraid. What in the world does this mean? It means, listen to this, it means at minimum that the angels are created to serve the risen Christ, the angels. Now, if you just do a little study in the angels, I don't know what you see when you picture angels in your mind, maybe flying creatures with long golden hair and delicate feathery wings, that maybe that's what you see, or cherubim like like little fat babies. If that's what you see, it's not going to impress you that the risen Christ has all authority in heaven and, uh, and earth so that all the angels offer him unquestioned obedience. But angels are fearless. They're indestructible and they're immortal. They're scary. Every time they show up, people are afraid. Okay. They scare the death out of people. Terrified. You know the Christmas story where they're terrified? Terrified. Wow. But if you could imagine how powerful an angel is and how many angels there are and what it's going to be like when the son of man rides in his great right stallion at the head of countless armies of, a- of heavenly angels against the mutiny of this world, then you'd be impressed. You know, he rides in to the cross on a donkey. But he returns on a white stallion at the head of legions of angels. <laughs> oh. When we really, I, I just think we need to pray for imagination so that we can feel what it means. That the risen Christ is the commander-in-chief of countless angels who are mightier than men, who are way stronger than men and indestructible because of their immortality. So when they gather for salvation and destruction, no laser beams or, you know, those rockets that Tony Stark comes up with, you know, are going to destroy these guys. No nuclear technology is going to have any effect on them. How about some of these images of the risen Christ and his angels? Maybe they can shape your picture picture in your mind just a little bit. Matthew 24, two verses, 30 and 31. It says, then the Son of Man will appear in heaven and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they'll see the Son of Man arriving on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's wow. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet blast and they'll gather his elect from the four winds one from, from one end of heaven to the other. And the angels are going to gather everybody up when he returns. And then in, in Matthew 26, verse 52, it says, Then Jesus said, Put your sword back in place, for all who take a hold of the sword will die by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my Father and that he would send me more than 12 legions of angels right now? You know how many angels are in a legion? 6,000, something more like that. I mean, I don't know what God's definition of a legion of angels is, but let's just call it, what is that, 72, 74,000 angels? He <laughs> just go, hey, Lord, I need 74,000 angels. 2 <sighs> oh. Thessalonians 1, 7. And to you who are being afflicted to give rest... Together with us, so the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. With flaming fire, he will mete out punishment on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. 1 oh. Peter three twenty two. who went into heaven at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers subject to him. So when the angel in Matthew 28 comes down with the power of an earthquake, who's got that power? <laughs> Have you been in an earthquake? And the appearance of lightning to announce the resurrection of the Son of God. The meaning is this. All authority in heaven has been given to the risen Christ, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of indestructible, immortal angels obey his every word. Wow, that's power. That's beauty. That's magnificent. Let's talk about his kindness, because this is something that I think is it's just new to me over this Last year, I didn't quite see the kindness in here. And I think Matthew wants to help us see this scene of Christ's glory in this window, right? I think it shows up first in verses 5 through 10. The angel first tells the women not to fear in verse 5. And then in verse 7, commands them to go and tell his disciples, go tell the guys, right, that he's risen and he'll meet them in Galilee. So in verse 8, it says they ran to do just that. With fear and great joy. And then I think the best thing happens. Jesus intercepts them. Why does he intercept them? They're on their way to obey the angels' command and instructions. They're scared out of their mind. They're running. They're full of joy, but they're just running like crazy. And Jesus seems to just repeat what the angels uh, say or command in verse 10. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They'll see me there. Why does Jesus stop? these women? Why does he do that? I think the answer is kindness, pure, loving, overflowing kindness. They're scared out of their mind. An unnecessary extra gift from the heart of the risen Christ. Those kinds of things happen when you follow the word of God, when you obey the word of God. Some of you are going to, maybe you're saying, where's the kindness in the risen Christ? I think Mary Magdalene would say, hey, you know where it is? just a few steps down the road um, on my way to obedience. That's where he meets you. You see that? He shows up right in the middle of their obedience and goes, hey, morning. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I'm so glad to see you. There's no way he wasn't smiling. But the kindness of Jesus is also for his other disciples. See, the angel said in verse five, don't be afraid, but in verse eight, he says, so they left the tomb quickly with fear. So when Jesus meets them, he says, greetings, which literally means, again, rejoice, and he repeats the angel's command, don't be afraid, for you know, uh, you know what I think these women are thinking? Thank God for women that I don't know. Did did some lady drag you to church today? You know, sometimes, sometimes guys we get drugged to church. On Mother's Day, a lot of times, um, what happens? It's a high attendance Sunday. You want to know why? Because mom, because grandma, because the ladies go. I just want my family in church with me. This is my day, so we're going to church. That's what I want. Why? She's super concerned about you. Now listen. I think these ladies are concerned about the betrayers, those men who ran and left. I think that's what's going on here. I think they're going, oh my gosh, the worldwide reign of Messiah, he's here. He's going to do something. Wow. Those deserter disciples who denied, betrayed him in his hour of greatest stress and trial. We got to get there because I feel like this this is judgment day. I think they're concerned for the guys, and they got to get there. I think that's part of it. But the risen Christ, he's not only just powerful, he's kind beyond measure. With one word, he steals their fears. The angel says in verse 7, go tell his disciples. All right, you catch that? Go tell his disciples. But Jesus says in verse 10, I, I never saw this until this year. Go tell my brothers. You know the guys that deserted, that betrayed, that ran, that turned their back? He says, go tell my brothers. He didn't say, go tell those big jerks, those big, those big weenies, those big... I don't know, I would have had them probably other words. Has anybody today ever deserted Jesus in an hour of testing? You ever deserted Jesus? I mean, yeah, Me. I've been there. I've deserted Jesus. If you will meet him in Galilee, he'll call you brother. Brother. See that? If you go in your heart to this place of repentance, he'll meet you with the words, "Rejoice! Hello! So glad to see you. Hello, morning!" Don't be afraid. And as if that were not evidence enough, (laughs) it just keeps getting better. So much kindness in here. Matthew leaves it ringing in our ears by closing the whole thing with these words. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'll be with you as you do the things I'm asking you to do, I'm commanding you to do, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age, I'm there. Brother. Oh. Can we just pull it together with the purposefulness? Because I have most confidence in most everything when I can find purpose in it. Nobody wants to do something with you. you can't see the purpose in it. The risen Christ is powerful and kind But we get to see through this window also his purposefulness. I think in order to admire and worship the risen Christ, we have to see his power, kindness, and it has to have purpose and a goal in mind. If there's no purpose to it, I don't know. I, I have a hard time. You can't admire someone you know uh, if, if you don't know where they're going, and one of the reasons there's so few people to admire in the world today is that there's so few people who stick to anything for very long. How many people can you point to and say, there's a life that has unwavering devotion and purpose in mind? Verse 19 shows that the risen Christ has purpose, he knows why he reigns. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's our mission, there's our mandate, there's our purpose. His purpose gives us purpose. The purpose of the risen Christ is to empower His church to make His authority known in every culture on earth. That's our job, that's our role. I know what to do. My life has purpose because of this. He's included me, He's called me brother. He wouldn't have said, remember, I'm with you always, unless our mission were his business. Wherever people bow to Christ, bend the knee to Christ, our testimony, our story becomes powerful because he is in us. He's determined to fill his kingdom with worshipers. That's what he wants. He wants the kingdom full of worshipers from Vail, Tucson, Arizona, all over the planet. The risen Christ is not going in circles. He's not fumbling around through the instruction manual like you and I do if you even use it. That's not him. He writes the book. He's unswerving in his great purpose. So what does this have to do with me? Well, a few things. Just a few things. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us through one last song, but don't you have an appetite to admire such a person, a person like this? See, you know you do. I do. Infinite power, immeasurable kindness, and swerving purpose. That's what this has to do with you and I. It's designed. It's built right into you and I. Power and kindness and just focused purpose. We... Have a desire. Now what we got to do is focus it towards Jesus. God the Son. God the Son. Maybe your appetite for his beauty is just beginning. You're just getting a glimpse of it. If that's true, what does this have to do with me? Well, I don't want to leave this part out. Confess the blindness, the dullness of the past and set yourself on this road on this journey of faith and obedience and expect him to meet you on the way because that's what he does. Does Jesus do what he says he's going to do? Did you see that bonus gift? (laughs) The gift, you know, the betrayers, yeah. They ran, but he said, you're my brothers. Unbelievable kindness. Did you see how he met the terrified women and said, hey, <laughs> so happy to see you. Morning, greetings, rejoice. I'm excited too. This is awesome. They were, they were, they were on their way. They were running, focused in obedience. That can be you. Maybe before this last song's over, you'll have seen and worshiped the risen Christ And it can be your story. That's what my desire is today. And I think that's what Matthew's desire is. Will you stand and let's sing together. Let's worship together and see if we can catch one more glimpse. be your testimony if you surrender your life and swear allegiance to the King, the risen King. I hope you have a fantastic day today, you guys. I hope that you talk about Jesus all day and the risen King. Enjoy being together. Stop by the photo booth and post a picture out there and tell somebody about Jesus. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Veil Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website
0: at www.valechristian.com.